focus on headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, uh, joining us in the studio, we have our reporters, Handan and Kwon Zua. Guys, welcome back and Happy New Year's to yes, you. Yes, Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year and Happy Monday. Can't believe it's already 2023. Exactly. Mm. How time flies, right? Well, uh, speaking of New Year's, uh, we're actually going to start things off with President Yoon Sagar's New Year address. Uh, he dedicated much of his uh, message to economy and Reform. Tan, you're going to start things off for us. Uh, can you tell us more about his uh, New Year's address? Sure. He placed great emphasis on the economy, uh, mentioning the word economy more than 10 times throughout the televised 10-minute speech. He first vowed to revamp Korea's economy facing multiple crises by actively promoting exports. He promised to place the economy at the front and center of all diplomatic policies and check the country's export strategy himself. He said that the government will launch a project to provide $50 billion in overseas orders to help Korean businesses and strengthen infrastructure, construction, nuclear power plants, and the defense industry as the new export engine. Uh, the president said that he will, uh, the government will mobilize all policy capabilities to expand the realms of Korea's exports to all corners of the world, again, by fostering new export growth engines in the fields of infrastructure, nuclear, and arms sales. He also promised to open up a new era for Korean startups in the IT, bio, defense, nuclear power industries, as well as in carbon neutrality and entertainment by supporting them to tap into new overseas markets. Now, noting the successful launch of the Nuri space rocket in June last year that opened new opportunities in the space economy, he also pledged bold investments in future strategic technology. Assessing that there's high, uh, there's a high chance of global economic recession, he also said that the government will take preemptive measures to minimize the fallout and also make efforts to prevent high interest rates, placing too much burden on households and businesses. Another key word of his New Year's address was reform. President Yoon has renewed calls for the three major reforms in labor, education and pension. And when mentioning about this, he made clear that he will not compromise with what he called the privileged cartel. He said meeting halfway with the privileged may be an easy way, but Korea was never content with a small ocean, hinting at a fight against those with power and advantages. Pundits say that when applied to labor reform, the privileged refers to the large-scale labor unions that are centered around big companies. President Yoon has long stressed that those unions don't properly represent the weak, and uh, so the government should boost support for the weaker companies shadowed by the big companies and their so-called royal labor unions. And during the uh, New, York New Year's address, he reiterated that respecting the rule of law is the best way to resolve conflict between the management and the workers. In education reform, President Yoon called on the need to transfer authorities for higher education from the central government to local governments as part of efforts to link higher education curriculums with local industries. On pension reform, he singled out resolving the deficit problem as the most urgent task for the sustainability of the national pension system. He said uh, he will make efforts to pass a pension reform bill at the National Assembly after thorough research and open debates. Now, here's the thing. Uh, one of the uh, the big 
stories of 2022 and of course going into 2023 was uh, all these missile provocations from North Korea and of course closing out the uh, the 2022 year we talked about the uh, the five North Korean drones and so there's been uh, quite a lot of tension on the Korean peninsula because of North Korea but despite this uh, there was no mention of North Korea which is again quite rare judging from the past New Year's message delivered by the previous presidents. Right. But President Yoon did hold virtual talks with Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman General Kim Sung-kyum and uh, Kim Sung-kyum, rather, correct me if right, I'm wrong, right, right. and other commanders on New Year's Day at the Underground National Crisis Management Center at the presidential office in Seoul, where he ordered stern measures against any North Korea provocations. He told commanders to maintain a thorough readiness posture against North Korea with a mindset to not avoid going to war, stressing that only the robust mental readiness posture and practical training of South Korea's troops can guarantee strong security. I'm sorry, with a mindset to not avoid going to war. So basically, don't afraid, don't be afraid of going to war right. is uh, what he's saying. And I don't know how many people actually agree uh, with, with that remark, to be honest with you, because uh, we've seen uh, from what happened again, I mean, with Ukraine, I mean, it was an invasion. Uh, but I mean, I, wars at all costs, I think, should be uh, avoided in my in my opinion. Uh, so uh, South Korea's exports in 2022 uh, grew by 6.1% uh, from a year before uh, this actually reaching an all time high. But at the same time, though, uh, while those figures are quite positive, we also looked at South Korea logging the largest ever trade deficit. Uh, let's get the details of this and uh, what, what the figures actually mean. Right. Uh, marking the beginning of the new year, South Korea's trade ministry released the latest trade data looking at the month of December as well as the entire year of 2022. So let's begin with some positive numbers. Exports increased 6.1% in 2022 from a year earlier, reaching an all-time annual high of 683.9 billion U.S. dollars. That's the highest since related data was compiled by the Ministry of Trade, Industry and Energy uh, in, since 1956. The previous record was posted just a year earlier with $644.4 billion. With that, South Korea has become the sixth largest exporter in the world, up one spot from a year earlier, just to follow China, the U.S., Germany, the Netherlands and Japan. Outbound shipments experienced a boost on the back of robust global demand for the country's key export items, such as semiconductors and petrochemical products, plus a record high performance in sales of EVs, electric vehicles and secondary cells. Uh, and uh, actually, uh, a few detailed uh, figures here in terms of secondary sales, for instance, uh, they were up by 15.2%. Automobile exports rose 16.4% on year, and petroleum products hiked 65.3%. But, and here comes the big but, imports surged 18.9% on year in 2022, reaching $731.2 billion. And that meaning South Korea, for the first time in 14 years has shifted into the red, recording the biggest trade deficit ever of $47.2 billion. The last time the nation suffered a trade deficit was during the financial crisis in 2008, and the previous uh, record was in 1996. 
And uh, the biggest culprit behind this is soaring international mm. energy prices on the back of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So depending on how you put it, the latest figures can be reported with a mix of positivity and negativity. But there are also numerous articles that actually focus on the deficit as well as December's figures, which also saw a decline. Yeah, but at the same time, I think if I were to be more optimistic on this front, I, I think this trade deficit, although it's a you know record trade deficit, I think it's going to be something that's uh, temporary. It's not something that we're going to see each year. I'm hoping uh, if we take into consideration that the, interne- uh, the international energy prices are going to go down eventually. I mean, we are seeing the oil prices go down uh, significantly compared to uh, mid last year, for instance. And again, I mean, it has a lot to do with the fact that this war in Ukraine has impacted not just South Korea, but uh, uh, many different parts of the world. And because South Korea is so uh, import dependent uh, on these, uh, uh, you know, crude oil and so for all these energies, uh, it-, it was no surprise that we saw a significant uh, trade deficit. Again, like you said, the biggest culprit behind this, the soaring energy prices. Uh, Then let's kind of look at uh, details on last month's trade figures, because you said that December's figures also saw a decline. Right. Uh, So we mainly took a look at the entire year of 2022, and now uh, a detailed look at December. So last month, monthly exports dropped 9.5% on year to $54.99 billion, with that extending a losing streak for the third straight month. And it was uh, predictable that the year would end in the red, as in April we already experienced inbound shipments exceeding outbound shipments. That happened for the first time since 1997. Uh, But imports last month went down as well. Of course, not as much as the exports by 2.4% to $59.68 billion, resulting in a trade deficit of $4.69 billion. And unfortunately, this trend is to continue for a while. There are no rosy forecasts for this year. As of yet, uh, the government estimates a 4.5% fall in exports in 2023 due to a continuous global economic slowdown as well as weak chip prices. Uh, In fact, in its economic policy direction report for 2023, the government said in December that difficulties are in particular expected to be concentrated in the first half of the year and gradually a recovery may come in the second half when and if the global economy improves. Let's uh, talk more on the economy. Most experts are projecting that there will be no January effect this year, uh, with benchmark costs being expected to stay between the 2100 and the 2400 range uh, in the first month of 2023. Uh, This due to persistent external risk. Now, Don, first and foremost, so when we say uh, uh, January effect, I think a lot of people, uh, a typical person, people will say, well, January effect is uh, seeing a whole bunch of people out at the gym because of their New Year's resolution. <laughs> uh, and then come February, no one comes to the gym anymore. But we're not talking about that. In economy, what is uh, the January effect? Well, in uh, in stock markets, the January effect is a purported market anomaly where stock prices tend to rise in the first month of the year. But analysts say that 
This will likely be just wishful thinking by the investors this year. Stock market experts are projecting Korea's benchmark index Kospi to stay between 2100 and 2400 range in the first month of 2023 as the global economy slows and inflation remains high. Experts say that a rebound will not be easy due to high inflation and global economic slowdown, as well as burden from the upcoming earnings season. And so they're advising investors to maintain their investment focus on when the market bottoms out and refrain from making additional investments until then. So rather than hoping for the January effect, investors uh, should rather pay attention to the effect from the supply-demand issue from December, a warning with experts warning that supply could rise from investors seeking to cash out. Kyobo Securities, in a recent report, projected the Kospi to stay between 2120 and 2400 in January, explaining that the month will be the time of the year to feel the deterioration in macroeconomic index and economic downturn. Samsung Securities also forecasted the Kospi to move at a similar range with a gradual uh, increase to between 2150 and 2450 in February, followed by additional rise to between 2200 and 2500 in March. Analysts also add that the market will likely move faster when interest rates peak out from the pivot in inflation rates and also after the Chinese government unveils its new economic policies. Now, as for today's closing, the benchmark Kospi at 10.73 points or 0.48%, closing the first trading day of the year at 2225.67. The tech heavy Gostack also fell, losing 7.78 points to close the day at 671.51. On the foreign exchange, the local currency weakened against the dollar, ending the day at 1272.61. Also, uh, speaking of, uh, I guess, the new year and all these changes that we're going to be seeing, uh, we're going to move on to some COVID-19 related news. Uh, We've been talking about uh, with China being sort of late to the game when it comes to lifting some of these uh, measures. They had these strict COVID measures uh, up until uh, the beginning of December. And as soon as they lifted these measures, uh, we saw an explosive number of cases. uh, And uh, this despite the fact that now, uh, despite the, uh, the explosion of COVID cases, uh, they have lifted all the travel measures. People are coming in and out, uh, and we've seen a number of countries impose uh, strict, uh, stricter entry rules. And this is also including South Korea. Uh, so uh, let's get more on this. Uh, how are they going to be treating all the inbound travelers from China? Right. Anyone traveling via flights from China is subject to PCR tests uh, before entering Korea. So at Incheon International Airport. And we know that uh, I think I believe since uh, autumn or so, we've not been been testing people uh, f- for COVID with PCR yeah. tests. And uh, the test has to be conducted within a day upon arrival. Also, travelers from China whether it be by plane or ship, need to have a negative PCR result taken within 48 hours of departure or uh, 24 hours before they uh, also can um, use a rapid antigen test before coming here. Uh, Entrants must also stay at separate facilities until their test results come out. Or in the case of Korean nationals and foreigners with residency status in the country, uh, they have to quarantine at their home or residence after getting tested. Uh, 
there was reportedly a little bit of confusion and inconvenience uh, today when the measure uh, kicked off this right. Monday uh, because these measures were announced uh, just three days ago and they are now to last until the end of February. Uh, on the first day, government officials, including Prime Minister Han Dok-su and also KDCA Commissioner Ji Young-mi, conducted uh, on-site inspections uh, regarding the new changes. And uh, meanwhile, Korea will also temporarily stop issuing short-term visit visas for travelers from China until the end of this month. Uh, there will be a few exemptions uh, when it comes to diplomatic right, reasons right. or business and humanitarian reasons. So, yes, uh, those are the updates. And uh, uh, there is also going to, uh, meanwhile, uh, travelers from Hong Kong and Macau are not subject to these rules. Yeah, I think the figures, uh, the COVID figures are a bit different uh, in Hong Kong and Macau compared to like mainland China right now. And uh, what's concerning is I've seen uh, some uh, footages uh, during New Year's Day. And of course, because China is as well, uh, you know, experiencing their first kind of, uh, uh, you know, COVID measure free uh, New Year's Day, there's been celebration uh, all over. Uh, and uh, they were saying that uh, there was a footage of people celebrating in Wuhan. And they were saying like, it's kind of ironic that, you know, some a virus that uh, started off in Wuhan and uh, has been going on for three years and there's celebration going on there. Uh, and uh, again, it's not surprising that uh, South Korea are gonna, is going to put uh, some measures in place for all the travelers because we do know that there has been an increasing number of uh, inbound travelers from China, despite the explosive numbers there. Uh, let's talk security because North Korea, speaking of New Year's, ushered in the new year uh, by launching what is believed to be short-range ballistic missiles. Uh, Tom, let's get the latest details of this. Right. The Joint Chiefs of Staff said it detected one short-range ballistic missile fired from areas near Yongsong in its capital Pyongyang at around 2.50 a.m. on New Year's Day. The missile flew about 400 kilometers before splashing into the East Sea. And the missile specifics are now being further specifics are now being analyzed by the South Korea and U.S. forces. The launch followed three SRBM launched by the North on New Year's Eve that also fell into the East Sea. North Korea did uh, launched a fire, uh, a hypersonic missile last year on January 5th. But experts say that North Korea has almost never carried out a missile test from the dawn of the New Year's Day. Right. So this is uh, North Korea carrying on with its uh, unprecedented level of provocations. But North Korea has uh, various reasons to ramp up its provocations, experts say. South Korea successfully tested a solid fuel space launch vehicle last week. And also as part of the North's traditional tactic, it may also be trying to gain an upper hand on the global stage by ratcheting up military tensions in the region. And this, of course, since that uh, another year of uh, more intensive weapons testing by North Korea and uh, another year of very high military tensions in the region. Some experts also say that the test launches are for internal propaganda purposes as mm. the North began a major plenary of the Workers' Party Central Committee last week. What's quite interesting to note, though, is that um, while the South Korean military called those 
SRBMs, North Korea claimed that it tested a nuclear-capable super-large multiple-launch rocket system. In a speech delivered at a handover ceremony of those rocket launchers on New Year's Eve, Kim Jong-un boasted that 30 new units of 600mm super-large multiple rocket launchers have been newly produced and deployed, calling them the core offensive weapon of the North's armed forces that can put all of South Korea within its range. Again, uh, North Korea being very unpredictable here and the fact that uh, the timing of this, it's not during like the day or the morning, it's very early in the morning, uh, 2.50 a.m. And, uh, you know, our our staff, uh, we were just saying uh, right before we had our uh, end of the year special uh, on Friday. And uh, one of the things that we're saying is, uh, please, we hope that North Korea... Uh, doesn't go rogue and end up testing their nuclear weapon or something like that because it would have just completely, uh, you know, we would have to change the the, the end of the year special uh, that we've been planning for some quite time here. Um, but with this latest provocation from North Korea, we had the top nuclear envoys of South Korea, U.S. and Japan holding phone talks and condemning uh, North Korea's missile launches. Now, now, let's also get more on this as well. Sure. Special Representative for Korean Peninsula Peace and Security Affairs, Kim Gun, spoke with his U.S. and Japanese counterparts, Sung Kim and Takehiro Funakoshi, after the North's launch of the SRBMs, making one voice that how North Korea opened the new year with an illegal act that violates multiple United Nations Security Council resolutions is deplorable. The nuclear envoys then warned that continued provocations by the North will be met with deeper isolation, stronger security cooperation among the three nations, and a unified and stern response by the international community. The top envoys added, however, that the three nations are keeping the door open for dialogue with Pyongyang. In the meantime, of course, uh, with uh, the new year, uh, one of the things that we look out for is Kim Jong-un's new year address. I mean, he's been kind of quiet uh, during the past three years, maybe because of uh, COVID. Um, but instead, uh, this year was a little bit different. Uh, we had Kim Jong-un uh, having to put out some stronger confrontations uh, with South Korea's New Year's resolution list. So uh, fill us in on Kim's latest remarks he made during a key parliamentary meeting. Right. North Korea state media on Sunday reported on their leader's message at a plenary meeting of the ruling Workers' Party of Korea, which ended on the last day of 2022. Uh, This meeting, as we have been mentioning before, serves as a means to set major policy directions for the new year. And also, as we predicted, Kim again skipped his annual New Year's Day speech and chose to use the party meeting to deliver his his New Year's ambitions. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un uh, so used the opportunity to express his willingness to increase his country's nuclear and missile developments in the new year. And the reason was largely South Korea, which Kim called an enemy in his remark. The Korean Central News Agency cited Kim as referring to the South as having become an undoubted enemy of the North, and that under such situation, the importance and necessity of a mass production of tactical nuclear weapons is clear. He also called on the construction of new intercontinental ballistic missiles. Uh, The KCNA said a task was raised to develop another ICBM system whose main mission is quick nuclear counterstrike. 
as well as sending a spy satellite into orbit as swift as possible to ramp up the North's military capabilities. Uh, with a majority of the message focusing on denouncing South Korea and calling it a clear enemy, tensions on the Korean Peninsula are expected to intensify. And as we heard from Taun, Pyongyang also showed this stance in its actions already uh, uh, on the first day of the year. And uh, I also want to add that uh, South Korea's unification ministry uh, condemned Pyongyang for its mentioning uh, uh, com- condemned Pyongyang, but uh, of course with that uh, Kim Jong-un's message for having uh, called Seoul an undoubted enemy and also for mentioning uh, the possibility of a preemptive nuclear strike. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know what? Uh, we talked about the uh, top nuclear envoys, the South Korea's uh, U.S. and Japan holding phone talks. And uh, yes, they were also talking about uh, the missile provocation from North Korea, but they're also very uh, much focused on Kim Jong-un's latest remarks because uh, I think a lot of people would agree that uh, in the past few years, this might have been the uh, the most threatening remarks from Kim Jong-un. Uh, when you say that he's going to be ramping up his, uh, you know, missile arsenal, uh, military arsenal and the nuclear weapons and so forth, it's always going to be very concerning. Uh, let's now get some more details on South Korea's successful test flight of a solid fuel space launch vehicle, which took place on Friday. Uh, what's also interesting, I don't know if you guys saw images of this. I, I was freaked out by this uh the launch sparked ufo scare that night with many witnessing the event before the military's uh, official announcement there were some weird photos out there and they're saying ufo and the first thing i did was really uh but uh, tell us more about this Tan. well first of all the test came after north korea claimed earlier this month to have staged a test of a high thrust solid fuel rocket motor to develop a new type strategic weapon system. So we can see that South Korea um, conducted the launch, you know, sort of in a tit for tat move to show North Korea that, you know, we're not just going to sit back and watch you guys develop your solid fuel rocket motor. South Korea's defense ministry touted the launch, saying that the last week's successful flight test of a homegrown solid propellant space vehicle reflects progress in the country's quest to secure independent space security capabilities. The ministry said the launch was conducted to experiment the engine combustion tests of the second, third, and fourth stage rockets of the four-stage vehicle. The very first flight test, if you remember, was held in March last year, but that only involved the second stage rocket test. The latest launch uh, was also aimed at verifying various other elements, such as propellant combustion, fairing separation, rocket separation, the uh, the attitude control of the upper stage rocket, and the separation of a dummy satellite. The ministry currently aims to put a 500-kilogram synthetic aperture radar satellite into a low-Earth orbit around 2025 for space-based reconnaissance and surveillance operations, following other flight tests and technology verification procedures. The military says the success uh, represents a significant milestone in solidifying the foundation for the construction of the military's independent space force capabilities, and it also added that the technologies secured through the space vehicle project will be transferred to the private sector for spin-off programs which will 
contribute to further boosting the country's space economy. The military also says that because solid fuel space vehicles are most uh, more cost effective and simpler to launch than liquid fuel space vehicles, they can be useful to fill in possible surveillance vacuum on the Korean Peninsula by launching multiple small satellites at once and operating them in a cluster form. And this will help early detection of missiles launched from North Korea. Now, with regards to the UFO scare, the ministry explained that because it was conducted during the sunset when the sunlight still shines from above the stratosphere. And so this is why we witnessed the twilight phenomenon when the vehicle blasted off. The sunlight was reflected on the rocket exhaust fumes. And this is why various colors were observed in the sky. Well, if you're like me and uh, know absolutely little about twilight phenomenon, we're going to share this photo of you guys. And uh, Oh, yeah, I did see that. This, when I saw that, I said that that is some crazy UFO work there. <laughs> and here we go again. Right before the new year begins, we have some visit from uh, alien. Uh, I, 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 again, you guys are going to sound crazy, but I think there are UFOs out there. <laughs> you know, my husband was like seriously concerned about what was going on. You know, literally he, he couldn't sit still. He, he literally like walked around the living room, you know, as if he's anticipating <laughs> a full-fledged war to break out. I'm like, look, relax. Look, I'm telling you, 2022, things that we never thought was going to happen happened. And I say, you know what? The way that 2022 went, uh, even UFOs uh, are, are, are possible. So, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was not a UFO, uh, but certainly that that photo, uh, it, it really, really spooked me. I'm going to be honest with you there. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, what is very uh, concerning and scary are not UFOs, but uh, uh, nuclear weapons and weapons of mass de destruction, which is why the military uh, established a new headquarters to better respond to nuclear threats and weapons of mass destructions uh, on this Monday. So uh, tell us more about this. Right. The Joint Chiefs of Staff announced today that a so-called nuclear and WMD or weapons of mass destruction response headquarters is being launched on this Monday. It'll serve as a means to more effectively counter North Korea's advancing nuclear and missile provocations. It'll be an expansion of the existing nuclear and WMD response center under the JCS's strategic planning division. So the new headquarters has adjusted and added functions and duties here and there that are to be carried out by different units. It seeks to develop strategies to strengthen the country's defense posture and also to assist ways to fight cyber attacks and electronic attacks. Uh, a ceremony was said to have been held this afternoon under the lead of Kim Seung-gyum, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Uh, so this is the fifth headquarters of uh, JCS uh, following the intelligence operations, strategic planning and military support headquarters. Yeah, I mean, uh, we are seeing certainly a lot of movement from North Korea, and I think uh, it is quite fitting that they do. Uh, have a uh, nuclear and uh, weapons of mass destruction uh, response headquarters because of this. Uh, Jenga, looking at the photos that we just showed, uh, he says she says, uh, wow, that's not edited. No, it's not. That's actually the photo that we all saw, which is why it was really spooky. Uh, let's move on to more economic news, but on a global scale this time. Of course, uh, 2022 uh, was a rough year for the economy, and so a lot of economists are really focusing on how 2023 uh, will fare. But they are saying 
that they're going to continue to paint this grim picture of the New Year's uh, economic outlook. We had the IMF chief, uh, Kristalina Georgieva, chiming in, warning that the global economy will face a tough time due to the slowing uh, U.S., EU, and Chinese economies. Uh, Tan, what, what exactly were her words there? The new year is going to be tougher than the year we leave behind, were the words from IMF Chief Georgieva. And this because the three big economies, the U.S., EU, and China, are all slowing down simultaneously. In October, the IMF cut its outlook for global economic growth uh, in 2023, reflecting the continuing drag from the war in Ukraine, as well as inflation pressures and the high interest rates engineered by central banks like the U.S. Federal Reserve aimed at bringing the prices down. Since then, China has scrapped its zero COVID policy, and this is where the IMF chief placed particular focus on. She projected the Chinese economy to be at or below global growth for the first time in 40 years. And on top of this, she said a bushfire of expected COVID infections in China in the months ahead are likely to further hit its economy this year and drag on both regional and global growth. She said that uh, for the next couple of months, it would be tough for China and the impact on Chinese growth would be also negative on the global economy. Her comments hint at another cut to both the China and the global growth outlooks later this month when the IMF typically unveils updated forecasts during the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, set for this month. Meanwhile, she analyzed that the U.S. economy is standing apart and may avoid the uh, outright contraction. She said that the U.S. is more resilient and uh, it may avoid recession as the country's labor market remains quite strong. But she added that this is a mixed blessing, uh, a double-edged sword, because if the labor market is very strong, the U.S. Fed may have to keep interest rates tighter for a longer period of time to bring inflation down. That's right. And uh, of course, uh, China, it's not surprising. In fact, a lot of experts were saying uh, you know, years ago, actually a few years ago, uh, with their zero COVID-19 policies, that it's a double-edged sword. Yes, uh, they are going to see very low uh, COVID figures, but they're just not going to uh, achieve the herd immunity that the rest of the world is going through. And so they had a slow economy because of their uh, zero COVID policy. And now that they've opened up, again, they're very late to sort of experiencing that surge of COVID-19 cases that the rest of the world experience. And so it's going to further slow them down. And it's an endless cycle here. Uh, we're going to wrap things up here with a uh, warm message by uh, Pope Francis uh, marking the new year. Uh, of course, his words included a homage to former Pope Benedict XVI, who, of course, uh, passed away this past Saturday at the age of 95. So well, let's get the details of this. Right. Pope Francis, as is tradition, held a New Year's Mass at the Vatican on Sunday. Uh, but besides hopeful messages for the new year, he also prayed for former Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, who died in retirement at the Vatican on Saturday morning. And as you said, he passed away at the age of 95. Uh, and he was the first 
pontiff to resign uh, to resign actually in yeah. 600 years on the back of allegations uh, on of corruption and scandals uh, nevertheless Pope Francis prayed for his predecessor's passage to heaven and expressed thanks for a lifetime of service to the church now uh, Pope Francis the 86 year old Pope is to preside over Benedict's funeral at the Basilica on Thursday and this is going to be a very uh, rare event because as I said he actually resigned and yeah. usually the death of a pope uh, starts the process of choosing a new uh, leader. Uh, meanwhile, President Yoon Seok-yeol uh, here in uh, Korea visited the Vatican's diplomatic mission to Seoul on Monday to also pay tribute to the late former uh, Pope Benedict XVI. Yeah, and I do remember uh, when uh, Pope Benedict XVI was uh, chosen as the next uh, leader of the Catholic Church because this was like you said normally it's the former Pope passes away and then it starts the process and when uh, Pope John Paul the second I believe uh, passed away uh, that led to the again the the choosing of the next Pope and I and I'm not a, I'm not a Catholic and I just found it fascinating that it just takes uh, just rounds of voting and then the, the way that people find out is if there's like a dark smoke that comes out that means that there hasn't been a, a, a selection just mm. yet and then when a white smoke mm. comes out that's when they say that uh, they finally made uh, the selection for the new Pope and there's like thousands of people uh, standing outside waiting for the smoke and the process in itself. Of course, that uh, we are not going to see because Mm -hmm. Pope Francis, of course, uh, took over the helm uh, before, uh, yeah. of course, uh, Pope Benedict passed away, right? You know, SJ, you mentioning the process, that just reminded me of uh, the book Da Vinci Code because I think that's when many people actually got to know about the process. People mm. who are not Catholic. Mm. That is the one damn brown book I didn't read. Really? <laughs> so, so I read, I read uh, what is it, Demons and Angels, oh, a fantastic that's my favorite. book. Yeah. That is one of my favorite books. I, I've read uh, in front, uh, I, I've read all the books except for the Da Vinci Code. So uh, maybe on my New Year's uh, resolution, uh, add a book in there and that might be the, uh, the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> Guys, uh, thank you very much for coming in today. Again, uh, Happy New Year's to you guys. I hope uh, you guys have a fantastic year and we do expect a lot of great things from you guys when it comes to uh, being with us here in Korea now thank you guys Uh, have a great rest of the night we'll see you guys again thank Thank you you. happy new year to all of our listeners happy new year you can listen to Korea now with me SJ Lee by downloading the Arirang radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.